Support comes from Pier 1 Theatre, celebrating 50 years of creating community theatre, supporting community voices, and sharing the performing arts. Schedules and information on Pier 1 Productions at 907-226-2287 and pier1theatre.org. Good morning, you're tuned in to KBBI Homer AM 890 and in Seward on Translator K201AO 88.1 FM. The time is 9.04. This is The Coffee Table. I'll be your host this morning. My name is Josh Crone. And I have with me guests in the studio from the Homer Community Foundation. I have Mike Miller, Executive Director. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Josh. And I have Paula Martin, the Treasurer on the Board of Directors. Good morning, Paula. Hey, Josh. Great to be here. And we are inviting listeners to join our conversation this morning. If you have any questions for our panel, you are welcome to give us a call. The number is 907-235-7721. If you'd like to email your question, you can email that to me. That's josh at kbbi.org, and we'll take your question and pass that along to our panel. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks to our guests for being on the air with us this morning. Let's go ahead and get started. So you are here from the Homer Community Foundation. The Homer Community Foundation has been... In existence since about 1990? 1991. 1991. Yeah, 32 years So what, what counts for a long-standing organization now? Yeah. And um, listeners may have heard that we have uh, announcements that the foundation has given out copious amounts of uh, funding to various organizations around the, around the area. Um, but I would like to get a, uh, a much more in-depth look at what the foundation does and uh, what its intent is. So uh, let's start off with just a, a couple of introductions here. Um, let's talk with Mike first. So Mike, you're the executive director of the Homer Foundation. How long have you been in that seat? Uh, coming up in five years now. Okay. So you got here just in time for the beginning of the pandemic, and that was uh, uh, something of a uh, learning curve, I suppose. That was a very interesting way to get uh, to know the foundation and the uh, Homer area. Very good. Yeah. And uh, what, what is your experience working in foundations prior to this? In foundations, not at all. Um, I had been a city, well, retired out of the Air Force, uh, became a city and county manager, uh, at some point transitioned to two nonprofits, um, worked for some nonprofits, uh, ran the Food Bank of Alaska for a few years, um, and then was looking for something here in, uh, in Alaska. Uh, and found the foundation job and uh, applied for it. And they love me, I love them, and I've uh, been enjoying it ever since. Excellent. Well, we're glad to have you here. And uh, Paula, mm -hmm. um, you are a, on the uh, board of directors for the Homer Foundation, and you are currently the treasurer. How long have you been on the board? I started on the board the same year Mike came along, so that was a nice combo for me and uh, also for the whole board. So it's been about five years. Okay. Um, it's been a great team of board members to work with, as well as a great uh, group of staff on top of that. Excellent. And you've had, uh, you've had a couple of uh, director chairs, uh, hats to wear on that? You're the treasurer now. I'm the treasurer any... now, and uh, at December's meeting, which is tonight at my house for the board, I, it's very likely that I may be voted into uh, an additional leadership position. I hate to, you know, say what the outcome of the vote's going to be, but... I'm sure whatever it is, you'll do an excellent exactly job. Exactly, be vice president. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Josh. So, uh, well, let's talk about the uh, the history of the Community Foundation. Well, let's start with the mission. What is the mission of the foundation? Let me do this one. Okay. The mission is to enhance the quality of life for citizens in the greater Homer area, which is the southern Kenai Peninsula, 
in, by promoting philanthropic and charitable activities. So it's the combo, donors and answering the community needs through the donors. We are the middle man on that, but we you know, want to support the interest of the donors in getting the money out into the community. Okay. You had said earlier about the large amount of money we've given out. That large amount of money is right now over $10 million. That, oh, sorry, it was $10 million in donations, $5 million in grants and scholarships. And this is why it's great to have a wonderful <laughs> executive director who can correct me on these small, small issues. Absolutely. Okay, so wow, so $10 million in donations just last year. No, in okay. the lifetime. In the lifetime yes. of the or foundation. Yes. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And then $5 million has been distributed in the lifetime of the organization? Correct. And the rest okay. is endowment money, so sitting there growing, so growing to continue to be able to uh, put that donor money out into the community throughout the future. Okay. Excellent. Uh, well, let's talk about the history of the organization. So, uh, founded in 91, um, and uh, if folks would like to go to your website, it's homerfoundation.org, and That's there's right. information there. But uh, give us a, uh, just a brief rundown. Sure, sure, I can uh, field that one. Um, so, there were a couple of folks here in the community uh, back in 91. Uh, there were many people, but the, the two of the key players were a gentleman named Steve Yoshida uh, and uh, Ken Kastner, uh, now mayor. And there was a desire to create this uh, place where folks could give back into the community. Um, some of that was spurred by their personal desires to do that. Some of it was spurred on with the, uh, at the time, the thought of uh, XMLDs was happening. Uh, and there was a thought that there might be some sort of uh, you know, payouts uh, at the end of that. It didn't work out exactly like everyone thought it might at the start. But, <clears throat> but that was part of, you know, it was provide that opportunity, that place that there'd be need for, you know, uh, favorable tax opportunity for these people with the, making a, a big windfall, which they thought might happen. So um, so that didn't happen, but it still got a lot of people uh, excited about the idea of creating a place that you could give back to your community and it would last forever. Uh, and that's part of our, uh, part of any community foundation's role is to create these funds in perpetuity so that they are um, so if you, get, you give that, that money, it's going to continue to do the thing that you wanted it to do um, forever. So, so, and there were some very, um, you know, some well-known um, nonprofit leaders that got involved with that. You know, in the, in the history of Homer, you know, Hazel Heath was involved, uh, Tom Bodette was involved, Mary Everson, Daisy Lee Bitter, who just recently passed away, um, Gary Thomas, um, and, and, and others. Uh, so, so there was a lot of uh, very visionary folks who, who saw this as a good thing for the community. And it's, uh, and it's prospered. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, sorry, go ahead. Paul. It's the first community foundation in Alaska. Um, so it was sort of the le leader. Now there's a few others, but we're the. Quite a few others. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so over, over the last 32 years, um, how has the organization evolved and strengthened? Um, how's, uh, how's the progress been? I think it's been really exciting, you know, looking back, um, you know, it's evolved from this, you know, small organization of which I think the first year made $1,000 in, in grants to last year, um, to look at the number in the annual report, but I think it was like somewhere around $359,000 in grants and scholarships were given out. Um, we started out with a very small, humble uh, gifts of $75,000, which was our, our fund size at, at first, um, and um, 
my whole board doesn't know this yet, uh, so board members who are listening, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but we just recently went over $6 million. Uh, like w- recently, like this week. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so we've grown um, in the last five, uh, five years. We've grown from, when I got here, we were 2.8. We're now at 6. So, so and that, that really creates um, the opportunity to do more in the community. Obviously, you know, more money is more income. You know, we take the money that's given to us, majority of it, and we invest it, and we use those earnings, which is how it lasts in perpetuity. And we only use the earnings, and we create a, a, a level of giving that is sustainable, you know, so, so that we're not digging too deeply into that endowed money. Or, our, or on the other side, we don't want to not put money into the community by, you know, stacking it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we, we, it's, a, it's a fine balance. And we try to follow industry best practices and, and uh, keep going. So, okay, this is a, a good segue then. Uh, let's uh, switch gears slightly and talk about the, the function of the foundation and the methods that it uses to get there. So uh, when we say foundation, that can technically cover a lot of different things, uh, including funds for generating scholarships, including endowed funds, um, agency funds. There's all sorts of different angles for those investments to take, uh, what what methods does the Homer Foundation use, and how uh, how do they work? So when donor money comes in, or or the existing money comes in, we have invested that as of about five years ago with a strategy to follow a Vanguard strategy of long term uh, passive investing in index funds, for example, sort of balanced between equities and and bonds. Um, to really look at a a growth for all of those donor monies in uh, shared in in one portfolio, um, though we obviously we track it for fund by fund to decide what is the amount that can be given out to spend for the mission of that particular fund, for the purpose of that particular, that that particular donor has set. So I think that gets to part of your question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then in terms of how we spend at each donor level or for each fund within, Mike, how many funds do we have now, 30? Oh, I want, oh, no, no, we have uh, about 87 funds. (laughs) Okay, so 87 funds with each has their own mission, their own purpose. So we, the, the money goes out for that particular purpose, whether it's a named scholarship Um, or for an agency fund like Story Knife, that the money is endowed for Story Knife and then goes out to Story Knife based on what that agency wants to do. So we manage it based on donor intent, Mm -hmm. Um, but we do it in terms of investing. It's one big pot. Okay. So you have, in your bookkeeping, you have things broken down by uh, which agency, Absolutely. which organization is, exactly. is collecting for various accounts. You yes. gather it together into one pool, and then that, that pool is used for investment through Vanguard yeah. for so. the growth of the pool. Correct. This might be a good moment for me to mention a change that has just taken place in the last couple of weeks. Um, Vanguard has just moved and merged off its nonprofit investing services to a group called Mercer, which has a long history in doing nonprofit investing, particularly for pension funds, and is about four times bigger than the Vanguard's piece of nonprofit investing. 
So we um, luckily, what that means for us is our Vanguard funds, the portfolio stays exactly the same. Uh, in fact, the staff that managed it for us at Vanguard are moving over to Mercer, so the, those folks will stay the same. And um, the finance committee of the Homer Foundation will be, you know, t keeping an eye on how this merger has affected us. And at the moment, there's no effect. Okay. It's exactly the same. So Vanguard has been known for a number of years as a, uh, a stable yet high yield uh, investment agency to work with. Yeah. And uh, or low fee. Low fees. Yes. Um, so very very consistent growth is what my understanding is that they're just kind of continually on the up. Does yep. um, Mercer have a similar record with that? Um, it, it, it depends. When you're talking about that, you're talking about Vanguard funds. And yeah. we will still be invested in Vanguard funds, even though Mercer will be managing okay. our processes. Yeah. Okay. Same, same exact funds, same exact uh, investment strategy, same exact investment policies. Um, the only thing that really is changing at this point is the letterhead. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. And let me, uh, you know, Vanguard funds is not, you know, it goes up and down with the market. But uh, obviously the trajectory in general over the long term has been up without a doubt. Okay. Um, so we talked about uh, agency funds mm -hmm. um, and uh, the purposes that those go to. Let me break that down just a little bit further. So uh, if an organization establishes a fund with the Homer Community Foundation, uh, that fund can be used for a variety of purposes. Is that correct? There's scholarships. There's uh, investment accounts where you just reap the the interest off that account. Uh, what else is there? Sure. Um, so we've got in a, in a really broad sense, we've got two categories of funds. We have endowed funds. We do have some non-endowed funds. So an endowed fund is what we've been talking about. It's the the investments are made. Only the earnings are used. That constitutes the vast majority of our funds. We also have, uh, so a need in the community for non-endowed funds. Uh, we had a number of nonprofit partners talking to us about, hey, my money's sitting in a bank account making you know, 0.03%. <laughs> um, can't you guys do something? Uh, at the same time, we had donors who were saying, you know what, I, I, I want to give back now. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want this money to give back out the every next 30 or 40 years. I, I want to give back now the next 10 or 15 years while I'm still alive. So, um, so we, uh, so we started doing non-endowed funds, which are basically the same, vested very, very similarly, except you can use not just the earnings, but you can also dip into the principal, okay. and and use that and disperse all of that. And we've got some donors who are doing that, and they're really excited about giving away, you know, ten thousand dollars a year out of out of their fund, mm -hmm. uh, because they because they have that opportunity with a non-endowed fund. Um, endowed funds will always be the core of what we do, and because it's a, about perpetuity. But we want to, we wanted, we saw market need, and, and so we went that way. So, so yeah, you have agency funds which do one thing and one thing only. As KBBIs uh, has an agency fund with us, um, that fund will pay out unrestricted revenue to that nonprofit agency, and it does one of two things: it either pays it out to the to the agency, or it gets gets reinvested back into the fund and grows. Um, and that's uh, we have both endowed and non-endowed. Uh, we also have uh, donor advised funds, where we have a donor who says, "I want to create this op this this giving opportunity in the community, and I want to stay connected with the foundation. I want to I want to be able to advise grants. They cannot direct grants, but they can advise grants. You know, um, and we do the same to them. We say, hey, we heard about this opportunity. Would you like to part Would your fund you know the you know have your fund participate?'" 
Um, so it's, it's a nice partnership in going down the road together while that donor is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can then assign that donor advisory duties to uh, a family member or, or you know, down the road. Or they can have it converted into uh, what we call a field of interest fund. A field of interest fund is more, um, more general in nature. Um, I, you know, I have a donor, we have a donor who says, I have, uh, I have this really concern about social services in the community. But I don't know what the needs are on a day-to-day basis. So here's my donation, create a fund, and use it to fund social services. Gives us broad, you know, broad ability to, to direct that money within the donor's intentions. Um, and then, of course, we have our opportunity fund, which is the fund that we go to uh, for sort of general, you know, general grant making that isn't, doesn't fall within some specific category. Um, and so, so we have opportunities for all of those. We also have a new fund. If I have time to talk about this, mm-hmm. yep. Um, we just started uh, this last year. We started a fund. Um, now our fund levels can be higher for some people. Like they don't to start a to start a donor advice fund. You have to uh, start with fifteen thousand dollars to start a field of interest fund. It's ten thousand uh, dollars. Same with a uh, an agency fund. Um, but uh, we created this new fund called the Community Cares Fund, which is a named component of our Opportunity Fund. So, and for that, uh, a donor can start one of those for uh, $5,000. And so that's half the cost. Um, and it goes to general grant making. Uh, but it goes under that family's name, under that business's name, however they want to name it. To kick that off, the board said, let's, let's get some interest in this. And they've, um, they're going to reallocate for every, uh, the first 10 community cares funds, if a donor brings $2,500, the board will reallocate $2,500 into that fund. Uh, we just had our first one, uh, Chris and um, Angie Newby. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw that and they saw what a, what a good opportunity that was. And so we were, we were very welcome, uh, very happy to welcome them with our, uh, our first community cares fund. But there's more out there uh, and more matches if anybody's interested. Excellent. Let me give you a few examples of these different kinds of funds just that might help the listeners to put it in perspective. So agency funds, usually 501c3 organizations, whether it's Pratt Museum or KBBI or Story Knife. Um, we have a list of about 20-some different agencies in the community who have set up endowed funds with us. Field of Interest Fund example is the Sheldon Youth to Youth Fund that supports the Homer Foundation's Youth Advisory Committee, uh, which we commonly call YAC. The YAC. Uh, involved in um, the school system to get students involved in, in philanthropic mm-hmm. activities. Uh, we have um, the Gary Thomas Memorial Fund to benefit community development. That's another field of interest fund. Um, donor advised funds include uh, the James Family Fund, um, the Gooseberry Fund, the David and Mary Shore Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so sp- those are donor advisors who are uh, invo- involved. And then we have a lot of scholarship funds. Scholarship funds are one of our biggest and probably w- one of our more time-consuming activities for both for everyone who's supporting those funds to get the money out to students. What did we give out this year? About 30? L- last year was, I believe, 50,000 50, or a little bit less this year. Yeah. So it's a lot of money to give out for students in our, in our region, which is great for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are the largest local scholarship program. Um, obviously, if, if if someone gets a full ride from UAA, they've they've trumped our whole <laughs> our whole program. But yeah. but locally speaking, uh, we're the largest. Wonderful. Um, 
Let's talk really quick, and then we'll pivot to some other stuff here. But I want to talk about the, the structure of the foundation, the, the business structure of the foundation. You have uh, a handful of staff. It's a small organization. You've got a board of directors who I understand the board is, is highly involved in, in operations. Is that correct? They're definitely, I wouldn't say highly involved in operations. They're definitely highly involved in um, setting policy, and, and they're, they're, they're a great board. They, they, they definitely know what their role is, and, uh, and they, they walk in it. And, uh, mm -hmm. So we're excited. They have uh, basically four standing committees, finance, uh, development, uh, leadership, policy and planning mm -hmm. and oh and grants, grants. community grants and uh, you know that's a nice opportunity for uh, for community members to get involved we do uh, we do have uh, spaces on those committees that uh, if there's uh, someone has an interest in uh, finances they can get involved in finance committee if they have Thanks. an interest in policy they can come in and not many people have an interest in policy but <laughs> but uh, if they, they want to they can um, the same way with development uh, we welcome uh, more you know more involvement and I hope uh, we, I believe there's an application on our website, uh, or they can just, you know, call me. And for our listeners, homerfoundation.org, is that correct? Homerfoundation.org, and if you're not careful, you'll end up at the Home Depot Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Um, so and, with, yep. with our uh, board members in uh, operations, um, we do try to support the staff as much as we can. So we just had, a, for example, this week we have mailings going out, and so the staff said, hey, any... Any of the board members who have volunteer time want to come help stuff envelopes, and board members will show up for those kind of yeah. activities to help out when we're not doing strategic planning and finance committee stuff. Very good. Um, well, and that actually, uh, once again, a nice segue. So uh, strategic planning. Uh, so I saw on your website that you had a strategic plan that went through 2021. Uh, is that an ongoing process? Yeah, it's a process we're about to start up again. Mm -hmm. uh, our our bylaws and our policy say that the board needs to refresh the uh, strategic plan at least every five years. Okay. And so we're coming up on that. And uh, we're at about four and a half. So this spring there's going to be um, another retreat <laughs> and um, the board will come up with a plan. The last plan basically, um, you know, as you know for strategic plan, Josh, from yourself, I mean, you know, it, the strategic plan becomes the thing you do. And, um, and so we're, you know, we did a lot of, the last strategic plan had to do with uh, increasing outreach, increasing capacity, um, you know, it, you know, outreach to um, to new areas, and, and we've done a lot of that, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, you know, we're you know, very engaged, much more engaged with Anchor Point, much more engaged right. with Manilchek, um, right. you, know, you know, making relationships in Sildovia. We know we've always been there, quote unquote. You know, that's always been our service area, but prior to my being there, there was just one person, and you know. There's just you know, just only a person can have so much bandwidth, <laughs> and uh, and she did a great job, Joy Stewart, mm -hmm. um, but she was just one person. So now we've got a little more capacity, and we're able to make those relationships. But this really is about relationships. Absolutely, yeah. that's the key part of being the the person in between the donor and the charitable need is you have to have somebody like Mike here to have conversations both with the donors and with communities who have needs to see where those connections can be made. Mm -hmm. And Mike's done a great job of doing that. Uh, the Anchor Point Food Pantry um, expansion of support from the Homer Foundation has been one of those growth areas that the, those Mike conversations has really helped facilitate. Um, what was the Nanilchik project we just did recently uh, with the... 
Well, we did a project with the fairgrounds, right. and uh, which is a great little, uh, a great community uh, asset up there. They do so much with it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, more so than we, we know about the fair, you know about some of this, but there's things always going on there. Um, the Nilchik uh, saw what we were doing and uh, said, you know what, we, we, need a, we need someplace for our community to get back. So we just, uh, last year, um, uh, a couple of community members got together and started the Nanilchik Community Fund, mm -hmm. which is the field of interest fund dedicated to helping the nonprofits in Nanilchik. Um, and there's people who just want to give back into their community. Um, Anchor Point has one as well. Um, so it's, Homer has one, has had one for a long time. But um, so there's just ways to reach out to people who, who care about their community and, you know, maybe aren't, you know, aren't involved with the local nonprofits, but still love their community. Um, and so we just provide that opportunity. Very good. Um, okay, so last question on the structure of the organization itself. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, legacy organization. Um, this helps keep the foundation going into perpetuity, if my understanding is correct. Now that that's definitely part of it. Uh, our legacy society is a group of donors who have told us that they are going to give a end of life gift of some type, kind, um, or, or value to the foundation. Now. I see they're giving it to the foundation. Great many of those gifts are dedicated to current funds we already have, current agencies. Uh, I know I've talked to, I have several donors, I've personally talked to who part of their gift is gonna to go to the community food pantry's endowed fund. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's uh, at least one or two who have told me they're gonna to give to KBBI's endowed fund. Um, so although we will be holding those funds and managing them, they're really not for us. I mean, they're for those agencies that those people love. Um, there are others who want to create a fund to you know, fund recreation. They want to fund uh, a scholarship. Um, so those legacies, and some want to fund the Homer Foundation. I mean, so we've, there, there's a little uh, of everything. So um, right now, I know we're looking at, uh, we have, I think, 57 members in the, in the uh, legacy society that we're aware of. Um, they say 40% of the people who give you a legacy gift will not tell you. So, you know, it's a, it's a fairly good group of people who have, who have uh, decided this is a way to go. Um, and frankly, um, I would really encourage nonprofits, um, if you are, if you think about the demographics of our country, let alone our community, um, most of the wealth is coming from the baby boomer generation right now. And I'm a, I'm a trailing edge baby boomer. Uh, so I've got a few years left, but you know some of the leading edge baby boomers <laughs> um, are out there, and they've been do donors and partners with these nonprofits for 20 or 30 years, and eventually they're going to pass away. Um, so the next generation coming up is about 12% smaller than this generation. So I mean, I mean, Josh, if I told you, I said, hey, I'm going to bring give, give you a brand new set of donors, but it's going to be 12% smaller than the net last group. How would you feel about that? Well, we're going to have to start getting the red pen out and making cuts. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and, and I've seen other data that, that, that would show that, that the next the millennials coming up have about a third less disposable income. So again, that disposable income is where donations come from. Uh, so if I were a nonprofit right now, I would be thinking about how do I continue those relationships uh, with my donors who love me already, love my mission, care about my mission, and been talking to them about leaving a legacy gift, leaving an end-of-life gift. Um, most people are really happy to do that. At that point in time, they don't need the money. <laughs> uh, so they're, so they're, they're really willing to do that, especially if they have you know, no children or their children are well off. Um, they're willing to say, you know, I've loved KBBI for 30 years, 
and I want to give back when I pass. I've loved the food pantry for you know 20 years, and I want to give back. Um, so I think that's a really important thing for nonprofits to be focusing on in the next years. Excellent. Um, and I will just go ahead and throw this plug in. KBVI does have a uh, legacy society as well, and uh, we do encourage our donors to give through the foundation to help KBVI's fund grow. And that's my pitch for the day for the station. But, Wonderful. Uh, it is 9.32, and we're going to take a very brief break, take a deep breath, refill our coffee mugs. You are tuned in to KBBI Homer AM 890 and Seward K201AO 88.1 FM. This is The Coffee Table. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You're tuned in to KBBI Homer AM 890 and in Seward on Translator K201AO 88.1 FM. The time is 9.36. Thanks for joining us here on KBBI for the coffee table. My name is Josh Crone, and my guests are Mike Miller, Executive Director of the Homer Foundation, and Paula Martin, uh, Board of Directors and Treasurer for the Homer Community Foundation. And this morning we are talking about the Homer Community Foundation. If you would like to join us on this conversation, you can give us a call. The phone number is 907-235-7721. You can also email questions to me at josh at kbbi.org, and we'll put that question on air for you. And we do encourage your participation. If you've got anything you'd like to ask, get in touch with us. So, Mike and Paula, we ended the first half talking about the structure of the foundation itself, and uh, there was one big component that we really wanted to touch on, which we mentioned, which was the Youth Advisory Committee, Commission? Committee. Committee. So, tell me a bit about, uh, more about that for our listeners. Let me start with the, the, the YAC, as we commonly call it, or, or officially known as the Youth Advisory Committee. Um, it's a youth-to-youth philanthropic program where it's the students, the money is supported by a couple of funds, the Purcell Family Funds or the Sheldon. Sheldon Purcell Funds. Sheldon Purcell Funds have been key in providing the money for the students to decide, well, what are the priorities they have for these funds in the community? Um, It's done through the Homer High School. We've partnered with them in recent times. Uh, And how exciting to get high school students involved with thinking about well, what's important to support in the community. And I have X amount of dollars this year. Wh- where can I move those dollars? And how can I balance them out? And so it's students, it's the youth making these decisions. How many youth? Uh, this year, this year's four involved. Um, and, you know, the, the problem with the, we'd love it to be larger. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to work with the school on that. Sometimes, honestly, the, 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 the good problem is those, the kids are so involved in so many things um, that it's, it's hard to get that many kids in, you know, to, a, to a meeting, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, but those that are involved are fantastic. And um, you know, we, a little bit of history. Um, the act has gone back and forth between the high school and the middle school. It uh, uh, really got off the ground uh, heavily by a previous board member and middle school teacher named uh, Bonnie Jason. Uh, Bonnie did a great job. Um, after the pandemic, we took a little, during the pandemic, we took a little break. It was just, you know, it was too hard to, to, to get the kids' attention. They were, you know, they needed to focus on learning. Um, we used to have the kids raise money, have to go out and ask for money, but it, there just wasn't enough time to, to build a relationship and, and ask, you know, make an ask and then decide where the money was going to go. So at a point in time, years back, the, the foundation said, we'll, we'll put forward some money. And so we had some donors who were involved with that and some general funds from the operations fund. Um, 
And then uh, in the, the Sheldon Purcell Youth Youth Fund was part of that. The Purcells are very passionate about youth to youth um, philanthropy. And um, this year um, offered up a, a matching grant that if the foundation would put forth $10,000, they would put forth $10,000 out of the uh, Sheldon Purcell Fund, uh, which is a non-endowed fund. Uh, and the board was like, you know, what's wrong with that? That's a great idea. We love, we love the yak, and we love uh, seeing these kids do this, and the Purcells do as well. So, so this year they've got twenty thousand dollars that they're um, going to be distributing, and we're actually going through that process right now. Uh, hopefully, we'll be making those announcements in January. And um, so, it, it's it's fun to see them sit there and look and, and you know brainstorm out, you know, okay, so here's here's the areas that we're going to focus on. Here's the, you know, uh, you know, here's where our needs are, and you know, and they're all about supporting. The, the youth in this community and, and finding that in this year they wanted to focus on, I think it was, uh, you know, you know, for like four to 14, you know, it was, wasn't a, wasn't a hard and fast rule, but that was what the emphasis was. Um, you know, as, you know, as high school kids, <laughs> this is their words, you know, we have way too much already, <laughs> you know, we, so let's, but let's help some of the younger kids where there isn't quite so much uh, available. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that process is ongoing right now and a big, big thank you to the Purcells for, uh, for being so passionate about this and, and partnering in the community. Absolutely. And what a great experience for these high schoolers to have to sit down and say, where does the money go? I have this budget. How can I spend it? I have all these things I'd love to do, but I can only do this. You know, learning how to budget is one of those life skills that will last you forever. And uh, to do it in a philanthropical way is just so spectacular. Mm -hmm. uh, how do students get involved in this? Uh, we'll make announcements in the school and put up flyers and work with the counselors. And I think they kind of the counselors will help tap you know certain students that you know uh, they think would be good in it and have the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, I don't know. This obviously would change year to year, but what kind of uh, what kind of functions does the youth advisory committee uh, generally direct their funds to? Well, I can. I mean, just pulling out of last year's um, report, uh, they've they've um, funded uh, the Fold Arts Music Camp uh, at the Homer Council on Arts. Um, some trail maintenance. You know, they're, they're the the kids are like everybody else in, in Homer. They they love to be outside. They love trails. Um, so they're that's always a um, a great program. Uh, the Wilderness Leaders, the Howell program, uh, got some adaptive equipment, um, and Catch McCurry Land Trust was again trail maintenance issues. The ski club um, improved skiing projects, improving the skiers' experience uh, on the tr on the at the, the ski ski hill, and then um, the, uh, the Nilchek Saturday lunch program, uh, and Nilchek, which is a take-home uh, weekend food program for for kids in need. Wonderful. Um, let's see, more on the Youth Advisory Committee, they do, I have YAC grants, was that all part of, that's all part of the mm -hmm. same process yep. there? Okay. Yep, there's a, they determine, they determine what they want to focus on, they, um, then we put out the grants, we announce it, um, you know, through our channels, and, uh, then the nonprofits you know, make application, so. Okay. Um, now, for individuals out there interested in giving to this program, is there a fund for the Youth Advisory Committee to uh, to be given to? Yeah, they can definitely um, earmark that and say, you know, we'd like to give you know so much money, to, you know, to support the YAC, and, and we set that aside and we use that for the YAC. Okay. All right. Anything else on the YAC before we move on? Uh, I think we're good. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. We wanted to talk about ways to give to the foundation. So, um, Sure. We talked about one, which was the Legacy Society, to mm -hmm. put it in your will. Um, and so the money comes after the passing of the donor. Another way is to do monthly donations. We can set it up that you can make a donation every month. Mm -hmm. uh, another way is for people, probably the boomers, the older boomers who are looking at those required minimum distributions out of their IRAs and 401ks, they can move stocks um, directly into and give as a charitable donation to the Homer Foundation and they will not have to pay any taxes on those on those stocks. Okay. Um, yeah, appreciated, appreciated stocks are, are, are a great vehicle, a tax saving vehicle that um, because they, they get the value of the stock, they get the value of the entire donation and only get taxed on um, you know, the smaller portion. Okay. And they can go to homerfoundation.org and look for the donation button. Uh, so they can, or they can just mail us a check. So lots of different ways. Okay. Yeah. And okay, so I'm just going to recap really quick there. So you've got uh, monthly donations. Do you have a way for people to set up a sustaining donation where it's just Absolutely. they give you their card and you, they just process it once a month? Sure, we can definitely hands do that. free. Yep. Okay, excellent. Um, we don't do ACH yet, but we're looking at that. ACH. Um, basically, an automatic withdrawal. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, uh, here's one of the buzzwords we've been playing with uh, for the last year or so. Here, uh, Q. CD, Qualified Charitable Deductions. Is that something that the Homer Foundation takes? That's what I meant about the stock transfer. Okay. Oh, that, that's what that is. Qualified okay. Charitable Deductions. Yeah. Or, or you know, oftentimes it's a, uh, it can be a cash out of a particular, you know, a retirement, yeah, retirement account. Yes. Yeah. And so they just designate, you know, talk to their, to their, their, whatever institution they're using and let them know that they want to make it to the Homer Foundation, give them our address. Um, the key is it can't go to the individual. It has to go straight to, to, the, the, to the organization, whether it be the foundation or somebody else. So you, you know, it's helpful to have our name, our address, and our EIN. Uh, all that can be found on our website, or you can just call us, and we'll definitely give it to you. So, okay. And we'll make sure that it goes where you want it to go. If you want it to go to general, uh, to, to the uh, you know, operations uh, or to the um, opportunity fund, um, you know, we can make that happen. If you want to go to a, to the, to a, a YAC, well, we can make that happen. If you want to go to KBBI, we can make that happen too. Um, so, so we're, uh, we're throwing a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, large numbers, you know, for starting funds and, you know, giving, make large distributions. If you have 50 cents and you want to make a difference in your community, you can give to the foundation. We will make sure it goes out in, in the form of, you know, part of a grant. Mm -hmm. um, every dream out there matters. Um, it, you know, whether it's a dream of helping your community financially or help or the dream of doing something in your community. Um, and in that same vein, we make sure every donation counts. You know, and so, so it doesn't have to be a, a huge donation to start a fund. You can just say, I want to give back, and I don't know exactly where the needs are, but you do. And that's a, and that's a, a place where we, that's, that's, a, that's a place we sit. I mean, you know, we're in that spot of saying, we have grants that come in every month two, three, four, five grant requests into what we call our quick response grant program. Um, and we use those monies to make grants. So um, so if that's what somebody wants, we can do it. Okay. Uh, so you talked about starting a fund. Um, now that's a, that's a bit of a different process altogether. Tell, tell me about that. So if somebody has an organization or if somebody wants to start up a fund for a scholarship, what, what are the first steps? You know, first steps are really just, you can look at our website, uh, the, the, the fund materials that, or the, the grant 
the forms are out there, but it's really probably best just to give, give us a call, give me a call, um, and we can talk through what, what you want to do and, and how we can best structure it. Some people think they, they have a vision in their mind, but they don't quite know how it's going to work. And we can put that vision on paper and in the right sort of fund um, to do the things they want to do. Um, and so it just come in and talk to us. And there's a form we fill out. It's, a, um, it's really not that not large of a form. Um, not a lot of writing is a, qu a question, you know, what do you want this fund to do? <laughs> what do you want to name the fund? <laughs> what do you want this fund to do? Um, any special instructions? Um, you know, how is, you know, what are you going to give us to, to start the fund? And, you know, that's it. Mm -hmm. The board then approves it? The board then approves it. The board reviews that, that information to make sure it's something that makes sense that we can commit to and support for the length of, you know, which is we're looking for a long-term endowment. So we want to make sure it works, the language works, that it'll be clear, that we know what we're supposed to do. Um, and so the board, Mike does such a great job of reviewing that material with the, the donor that when it comes to the board, it's usually just, okay, we'll put another set of eyes on it and then approve it. Mm -hmm. um, we mentioned this earlier in the program, but I want to talk about the two different kinds of funds that uh, an organization can set up. So there's the endowed fund, mm -hmm. which essentially when uh, money is put into that endowed fund, uh, that money is untouchable by the organization in the sense that it's not an account, it's not a savings vehicle for the station, it is a place for those funds to build on themselves. So when somebody puts money into an endowed account, that money stays there, but then the interest earned on that account then gets distributed out to the organization or goes back to the account as interest. We generally will make 4% of that account uh, fund available to spend for the next or that fiscal year. Okay. Um, that as the market grows and therefore the base, you know, the basis of the fund can grow. And so there's more that goes out in that 4% the following year. Okay. Um, and then the other, the other type of account is the non-endowed account. Mm -hmm. And that's one where the, the principle of the account is actually accessible by the organization. That's right. Okay. So, uh, for example, I'll just use KBVI as a, a reference here. So KBVI has both an endowed account and a non-endowed account. Uh, the endowed account sits there. Uh, we ask people to donate to that, and then we uh, see the revenue coming in from the interest on that. Uh, for the non-endowed account, uh, that money is given to the foundation to keep for us, but if we have a need and that money is available, then we can tap that and use that for something that the, the station uh, would need to, to fund. No, that's exactly right. Uh, the, full, the full value, it's, it still earns. It's invested slightly differently. Uh, with a slightly lower risk, risk um, threshold um, because we know that money will probably go out at some time. So we want to make sure that we you know, keep, it, keep it as safe as we can. I mean, it's still a market tool. It's still subject to the market. Um, but we try to keep it as safe as we can um, by, by still creating value through our investments, but also, again, keeping it safe. Uh, but yeah, the, the agency can say, you know, we want to use however many, whatever portion of that for this new project that we're doing. Absolutely. We cut them back a check, and, and you know, we, pull, we basically pull it out of our Vanguard cart, and, and, we, and we, you know, write them a check with it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a, a way to do savings for large projects, uh, but where the money will grow over time to a greater extent 
than what we're getting out of a local bank account, for example. Yeah. Ideally, ideally. Yeah, I got my gears turning here about where we're <laughs> where we're investing properly here. Yeah. No, it's in in, in the, in an endow, a non-endowed account can be inverted converted. I mean, sometimes a, the, an agency has a certain amount of money sitting there they think they're going to need. And they find it over a number of years that oh, I d we really didn't need that money. Let's move it over into the endowment, and then it just becomes part of their their endowment. So, okay. But you can, you can endow money, but you cannot unendow money. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, okay, so we've talked about uh, ways to give. We've talked about establishing a foundation account for organizations or individuals. Uh, we've talked about the Youth Advisory Committee. Uh, we've talked about the foundation's history itself and um, leaves us just a couple of things left here on my agenda. So I want to talk about upcoming events that the foundation has planned. Uh, what ways can the public become involved or aware? What kind of things are you doing? I heard something about a, an annual meeting. Yeah, we just had we just had our annual meeting. That's okay. probably our biggest public event. Mm -hmm. um, our biggest public event is in November, and it's, it's when we release our annual report. And uh, we just it's part of our transparency. It's, it's part of marketing too. I mean, full disclosure, you know, this is our great it's a great marketing tool. Um, but really, we want to tell the community what we did last year, you know, in, in the last fiscal year, and be accountable. I mean, our our 990s are out there, you know, on our website and in other places you can find it. But this is just a way we can just talk about, um, you know, what what happened in the most in the, in the recent past. How did our investments do? How many donations did we get? Um, and what did we, um, you know, what did you know what did we accomplish in the last 12 months? So, very good. Um, okay, and then the uh, second part of that is plans for the future for the foundation. So you mentioned that you're working on the uh, strategic plan for the next five years. Right. Um, give us any clues on what, uh, what direction things are heading, um, new goals that you have set for yourself. You know, I, I'm, I'm, it would be hard for me to speculate because once you get a board in the room, you get all those really <laughs> smart people, you know, thinking and talking about what... Um, what might or what might not happen, um, you know, it, I, I'd, I'd be hesitate. I mean, I think some things that we're going to have to keep doing, like legacy, like, you know, bequest giving, those are, those are things we got to keep doing in, in, until it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but I'll maybe let Paula talk about it. I'd say one of the things we're going to need to talk about is growth, uh, because we've done a great job in growth. As we said, we're up to $6 million as of last week in endowed funds. Um, We've put on a little bit more staff. We now have a development director that's part supported in part by our Murdoch grant. But we're going to have to, you know, it, as we grow, we have to figure out how to manage that. 86 funds is a lot of funds for a fairly small group of staff to manage. So I think that's one of the things we'll be looking at is strategic planning. Yeah, we're, we're in nice the process. problem to have. Yeah, yeah right. we're, we're in the process of putting in a brand new financial system called Foundant. Um, it's very, very scalable. Um, so when when... When those legacy gifts do start arriving, and they will, um, you know, we're in a, a good place to be able to manage them and not overwhelm staff and, and do with excellence. Exactly. So that's what we want. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, well, we just had a uh, surprise guest in the studio here, uh, board director of KBBI, Wayne Adderhold. And uh, Wayne, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Sorry. Thanks for letting me barge in, but I was hearing this great discussion. And I just wanted to add one little thing uh, to, to follow up on your comment about the the 890 or the KBBI endowment funded, you don't have to be dead to contribute to that. And a number of us are already started. Yep. And, uh, you know, when I'm dead, there'll probably be a chunk, but bring it in now, particularly via QCDs and, and those of us that are that age. So 
anyway, thanks. That's all I wanted to add. Great. Thank you for the pitch, Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. That's great, Wayne. <laughs> well, uh, we are in the last several minutes of our program here, so this is an opportunity for me to ask our panel if there are any other things that we missed and that we need to go back and, and talk about very briefly. Uh, go ahead. The egg breakfast? Eggs benefit? Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah we do have a, 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 an event in coming up in April, which is um, by invitation. Uh, where we reach out to folks in the community, um, community leaders, and also people who we think you know might be interested in learning more about the foundation, <clears throat> and put that event on um, at Lands End, and they uh, we appreciate their support as well. Um, so yeah, that that'll be out there. And um, I wanted to talk about grants if I could just just for a second. Absolutely. We talked about donations quite a bit. Um, we have a couple of main granting programs. Our main grant program I mentioned earlier is the Quick Response Grant. Um, <clears throat> that is an ongoing open grant process. We meet monthly. Uh, it's up to $5,000. Uh, you have to be a, a, a nonprofit uh, to apply. Uh, we do have sometimes individuals who apply <laughs> or try to. Um, but, um, and, and if you're doing a charitable work, you know, it's, it's things that uh, we like to support in the community. We love to see them. Uh, and there's really been a great diversity of, of, uh, of things coming through these days. And, and I love to see that. I love to see the, um, the, uh, the initiative and the, uh, the new ideas that are going coming forward from our nonprofit leaders. Um, the other is we have a larger grant program um, called the Community Impact Grant. Community Impact Grants are um, there's no set cap, but they've been really kind of not doing more than twenty five thousand, um, and we only do one or two of those a year. Um, and uh, it, it's really based on what again who, who applies and. We're looking for larger projects here. They're going to have an affecting a large component in the community or a large part of the community. Um, things like the uh, you know, uh, city of Kachemak Park, you mm -hmm. know, we're involved with that. The Spark Floor, um, you know, the um, the fairgrounds uh, up in Milchuk. Um, we recently did one to the Anchor Point Public Library to help them with some technology needs. So again, that's that's affecting major comp major parts of the community. Um, and those applications can be found online. We talked about the Act a minute ago. Um, and uh, the scholarships. We're getting into the scholarship program uh, year, time of year. Those um, should be going live soon after the first year. Um, if you have a young person who thinks going to be, um, you know, eligible, by all means apply. Uh, they are they are competitive, um, so have them write well. Excellent. I just want to mention before ending, I we're the Homer Foundation, but we cover more than just Homer. Mm -hmm. uh, we say we cover from Nanilchik to Nanwalik. Uh, the Southern Peninsula. So we are um, really reaching out. We want to make sure those community connections reach out as well. Great. That's excellent. Okay. Well, I think we've uh, we've covered just about everything we can in the time we've had available. Thank so you for having us on, Josh. Really, really appreciate Josh, it. Great. Thank you for coming in. My guests have been Mike Miller, Executive Director of the Homer Community Foundation, and Paula Martin, the Treasurer of the Board of Directors for the Homer Community Foundation. And we've been talking about the Homer Community Foundation and its activity in our community. And thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, listeners, for joining in. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you to our guests. And have a wonderful day. Great, you're, Great Josh. You're tuned into KBBI Homer AM 890 and in Seward, K201AO 88.1 FM.